0: week 15 stats versus film we're about to go team by team and look at both what they put on the field the advanced metrics behind each of these players and their usage as well we get that from Hayden Winks's fantasy usage model which you can find in the description down below it is week 15 that means this show is for the true sickos only I know all of you made your playoffs congratulations but if you're still just stuck with us because you can't get enough of us on your Tuesday or Wednesday midweek for all the football content, we appreciate you too. Be sure to check out the other content on the channel as we go along. All right, I'll play to order this week, Hayden. Why don't we kick it off? Arizona Cardinals. So we waited and waited and waited, <laughs> and, waited and waited for it was all, all you. <laughs> the non-quarterback skill position players to be on the field at the exact same time. James Conner, DeAndre Hopkins, Hollywood Brown. Rondale Moore slash Greg Dorch. We kind of finally got it. And then on like the fifth play of the game, Kyler Murray gets hurt. What I can take from this with Colt McCoy the rest of the way is we will see a continued usage of James Connor in the passing game. Seven targets, six receptions, 29 yards. That yardage total might not be high, but that does give us a really nice floor because I think that is in the flow of the offense.
1: Yeah, he's been an absolute stud in fantasy. Nobody wants to admit it, but to me, James Conner is going to end up being a potential league winner. If you you have him for Best Ball Mania 3 and you've advanced with James Conner, I mean, I'm going to be doing rankings. I'm going to have him close to the top five because, like you said, he fits with McCoy perfectly. He's had 16.7 expected half PPR points in his four games since being that unquestioned bell cow. Make sure you have Keontae Ingram on your bench just in case, but... Yeah, the entire offense changes here. I don't see Colt McCoy winning downfield. DeAndre Hopkins and Marquise Brown are going to be competing for underneath looks, and Rondale Moore eventually will be doing that as well. So explosiveness, I'm not really anticipating that. Both DeAndre and Marquise Brown, uh, neither of them have hit a 10 or a 15 point expected half PR point performance yet together. I think they're most both, both like wide receiver two threes. And I think we were hoping that there would be upside wide receiver twos together. Obviously not going to be the case anymore.
0: Final thought on James Conner. The only reason why he didn't have more receiving usage and opportunity last year was because in the games and so often he would split, you know, the work or even give it away between the twenties to chase Edmonds. But in those games that Edmonds was down, he was what? 37 of 39 on targets in his direction. Saw games of eight, nine, 10 targets or receptions. And this is just the usage we're going to get. Um, I do have to add, since everyone stuck with us for 15 weeks, what felt like the the path that the Cardinals wanted to go down was DeAndre Hopkins at left wide receiver, AJ Green as the right outside wide receiver, and Marquise Brown as the slot player. I mean, played 43 snaps there in the slot compared to 28 out wide in that game. Uh, I, I don't even know now if we're gonna get, you know, these vertical players and that vertical element that we saw. It was a bit more last night, obviously a few drop passes, a few outstretched catches that did not happen. Um, final question to you. This makes you really worried about Kyler Murray next year. You know, it's not that he's gonna play week one. Hopefully he does, but such a important part of his game is that short yardage touchdown work rushing inside the 20 and inside the 10. Um by all accounts, rushing totals just go down for quarterbacks, mobile or immobile after ACL and knee construction surgeries. So hopefully Kyler is able to be back, but I don't know if we can bank on that same rushing upside that we have seen in previous years. I
1: would say it's more likely than not that he misses the first four games or three games of the season with PUP. And then, like you said, his rushing ability is not going to be the same. So I'm really disappointed because the Cardinals kind of ruined his window to win these last two years. I have it right here. He wasn't getting paid all that much for how good of a player Kyler can be. And they surrounded him with a bunch of old talent. Like the DeAndre Hopkins trade at the time was good, but like JJ Watt signings, Zach Ertz signings, a lot of money going to like James Conner, who I think is a good player, but probably not worth that price tag. And then the offensive line completely collapses. So when he's fully healthy, like let's say 2023 next season is a kind of a throwaway year as they rebound, then his cap hit goes up to fifty-one million dollars. Where's the window to win at that point? You know, uh next year, DeAndre Hopkins, Marquise Brown, Zach Ertz, uh, James Connor, all of them are gonna be on the roster, most likely. They can't really get out of their contracts. Throw in Trey McBride, throw in Rondale Moore and Greg Dorton, all these type of guys. The skill players are there. They have nobody on offensive line, and that's going to be the adjustment that they have to make this next offseason because they can't throw away this Kyler Murray stuff. Uh, maybe they move on from the c- c- coaching staff and the GM. But to me, solve the offensive line problem first, and then hopefully he's fully healthy for the 2024 season. It's sad. Steve Kime had to get his first-round linebackers. That's the only answer. <sighs> A
0: couple more away. Atlanta Falcons. They're coming out of their bye week, and Desmond Ritter comes in. Uh, his runout in the next four games... Hopefully he's starting the rest of the year. New Orleans Saints, Baltimore Ravens, Arizona Cardinals, and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I believe the Cardinals are currently five and eight. Uh, so consider this. Marcus Mariota was attempting just 23 passes per game. Second lowest just ahead of the Chicago Bears. Meanwhile, Marcus Mariota had the highest or second highest eight out. If you want to throw James Winston in there among all quarterbacks in the league. Do you think that that same style. Arthur Smith is going to take carbon copy, and this is the offense, this is the offense he wants to run, and run it with Marcus Mariota. I would expect more changes than that.
1: In theory, Desmond Ritter is like a more headsy in pocket type of player. Um, now, will he be that in his first start as a what day two pick uh, as a rookie? I'm not sure. But um, inaccuracies, I think, kind of follow uh, the Falcons with Mariota or Desmond Ritter. We'll see if anything stylistically. Changes here. I think just really it's a a debate about Drake London because nobody else is really all that fantasy relevant. Yeah. Uh, He had 17 expected happy points coming in before the buy. There's not that much target competition. Desmond Ritter, I think maybe has a better chance to kind of stay within the structure of the offense and throw him the ball. Uh, But we'll see. It's the post by rookie bump for both of them. And also post by rookie bump for Tyler Algier. And I think that's, what's going to make this complicated for CPAT. If this team is going for the future, And going young, why keep getting CPAT touches? Maybe that eats into him. So really, this is a Drake London and only team for fantasy.
0: And we love Drake London on the show. Prior to the bye, it showed you that, you know, in isolation, short, intermediate, downfield, heck, even after the catch, he's a very talented player. And just the opportunities have obviously been limited this season. There were times where, you know, he was running the clear out patterns. There were times when Cal Pitts was running the clear out patterns for him. But hopefully that this move does get him involved. There was a little wrinkle. Obviously, Marcus Mariota is, quote, unquote, on injured reserve. Do you see the piece in The Athletic about Marcus Mariota, who just left the team? Just flat, it, left the team. Yeah, that's crazy. So this is probably the last starting job we've seen handed to Marcus Mariota, probably because of this reaction. Who knows what's going on behind the scenes? No one knows. But that is an interesting reaction from considering what we see happen with other 31 teams across the league. So Yeah.
1: I, I view Desmond Ritter as a backup quarterback. I do not think that he's going to be the answer here. So I think they're giving him four weeks to see if that they can go and do a Davis Mills type of situation for next year. But I think another veteran's coming in, uh, not named Marcus Mariota.
0: Just quickly for the podcast listeners, you can always subscribe to that podcast feed. Quote, Smith informed Marcus Mariota of the decision to make a change at quarterback on Thursday morning. The Falcons are Friday that Mariota planned to step away from the team. This is the second time Marcus Mariota has been benched while playing for Arthur Smith. The first came in 2019, obviously in Tennessee quote, those conversations are never easy. Arthur Smith said, you try to be truthful, whether they agree or not, those are not conversations you have to have. So it just makes sense. Like this is either the time you start Desmond Ritter, learn what you have. So then you can either make the decision to ride into in this quarterback purgatory territory you could possibly be into heading into next year, or you just completely move off of him because you know what you have in some ways, and then find the next quarterback you want to get behind.
1: So I dare you to throw 10 targets to Drake London this week. Desmond. I would love that. I dare you would love that.
0: It just makes sense. Baltimore Ravens. This curvy windy row that we have in their backfield uh, hit another. Marker on the map with uh JK Dobbins returning from his second knee operation. Went off for 15 carries, 120 yards and a score. Gus Edwards, 13 carries for 66 yards. Granted, this was out Lamar Jackson. This was, a quarter and a half in without Tyler Huntley. Um, What are you taking from this? This is impossible backfield to predict heading into even Sunday mornings for the Ravens each and every week this season.
1: So if you're picking a running back, it has to be J.K. Dobbins from what he did last week, but at the same time is not going to catch a bunch of passes. And with, quote, Anthony Brown, quote, as their quarterback, I'm not sure if the Ravens are going to score that many points next week. So really the debate is, How do we think J.K. Dobbins looked? I think his first step was pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um, I always thought he's had good instincts. This is where he opens up, and this is where it starts to get troubling. Old J.K. Dobbins walks into the end zone at that point. He kind of limps out of bounds, and even after the game, he said it himself that he doesn't feel all the way right. Uh, Are they going to watch the tape and then scale back his workload next week? I'm not sure. Um, All I know is that the Ravens are almost a lock to make the playoffs based off of that last week's win, so there really is no rush to – to get these players fully back. So I don't have that much faith in any Ravens skill player for this next week. At least
0: I agree with you that like the long stride, the long gate was not good. Did think some of like his jump cuts in between the tackles were fine. And yep. probably the play that we saw last week is going to be the longest gain he has all season, which is fine. Like we will certainly take 120 yards and, and a touchdown just more than anything. I'm enjoying these, you know, running schemes that the Ravens are putting out. This first run didn't go anywhere, but once again, it's basically three offensive linemen that he's working behind a tight end two offensive linemen that he's pulling. And then on the long gain, it was either inside zone or duo. I'll allow you guys to pick which one. And it's just great blocking up front. Uh, It is all on the Ravens offensive line from here on out.
1: Yeah, it really is. That's kind of how it's been because their skill players have not been good. Mark Andrews, I guess like, Dude, it sucks. Uh, did you forget, though? I was looking back at his game log. For the first five weeks, he had like... he was two, insane. He had like four 18-point games since then. It's been yep. nothing. So I don't know if it's injuries. I don't know if it's bad luck. I don't know if it's combination. I don't know if it's the... the it's, it's been a little bit of everything here. But for this week, I do not trust his third-string quarterback. So he will not be inside my top five. I still think that he's a tight end one because we've seen flashes. Um, but obviously, something's up. Uh, I think we'll learn about it later on. In the season, but he has not been the same. And even in like the fantasy usage model, which has liked him for most of the season, right now doesn't as much. He's the tight end seven over last month because of quarterback issues.
0: Yeah, they play Saturday against the Cleveland Browns. I believe Tyler Huntley did participate in limited capacity on on Tuesday, but who knows?
1: Concussion protocol for a Saturday game. Yep, it's quick. tough.
0: Very tough. Carolina Panthers up next. We'll go back to the Buffalo Bills after this one this is a full on run focus attack out of a buy healthy offensive line. I mean, this is what they're going to be the rest of the way. You know, in fact, there was one section of plays where they basically ran counter with the guard and tackle in like five of 10 snaps. And then with the bubble behind it, which was the Visca Chenault on that either orbit or, or, jet motion to get to the opposite side. And even cause they did a few times, throw it to Visca on that bubble when the numbers made sense, he was just a hammer against defensive backs on the edge. So they are trying to limit Sam Darnold's throwing, especially down the field, only when maybe shot plays are open. So to me, that really limits, and he actually had an MRI this week, but DJ Moore for the rest of the way and any other wide receivers the rest of the way. And again, it props up, not just Deontay Foreman, but even if Deontay gets 20 touches, I could expect, because the opportunity is going to be so large for this backfield entirely, Chuba Hubbard to hover anywhere from 10 to a dozen touches too.
1: It reminds me of the Falcons this year when everything was kind of rolling for the Falcons. The, the offensive line has really t- turned a corner. Uh, Deonta Foreman actually had a really good game and expected half PPR points. Had 18 of them. Did not really get home. Chuba Hubbard, I wrote, is a definitely a worthwhile stash. I don't think you can start Chuba Hubbard. But if something happens to Foreman, this team is so run heavy that I do think that Chuba Hubbard, who I don't think you and I both love his no, team. he's a, I think a baseball player. The offense is good enough right now on the ground to do something. Uh, yeah, DJ Moore—it's like ankle and knee, I believe. Uh, his uh, usage has not been all the way the same recently because they have gone so run heavy with Steve Wilkes. But yeah, I mean, the Panthers are staying in games and winning games that For they sure. have no business doing so, and that's a credit to kind of this team rallying around this co- uh, this coach. I'm—I think they should—they might need to stick with them.
0: I, I don't know if they'll stick with them because I think this team is going to be so focused on finding an offensive mind that actually works, you know, because Matt rule is basically a defensive mind. Steve Wilkes is so much better than Matt rule though, because at least they have identified who they are and they are going through it. Like they're, 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 you know, funneling their offense through that and this offensive line taking this unit and just progressing it into next year, where I think all of these pieces are under contract for, for 2023, including a few younger ones. That's fantastic. Like that is something to build off of here, and who knows how they get the quarterback. But, and I'm not saying it's going to happen. They're only one game behind the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now in the NFC South. If they win out, they go to the playoffs.
1: be insane. Uh, they also have the current ninth pick in the draft so yes. either way lose or win is you can kind of spin it as a positive uh, they, they shouldn't be trying to make the playoffs in my opinion
0: they no but they will it's it's an NFL team trying to win yeah. like it, yep. it, it really is that simple um, DJ Moore just quickly the latest from Adam Schefter is he's considered day to day with a knee spring quote nothing significant but we'll see I mean it he bottomed out last week and he played a lot of snaps you know and it's just because makes sense not trying to put the game into same Donald hands Buffalo bills. So the bills are an interesting team at the moment. When you consider they haven't crossed 260 passing yards in four games, they've only done it once in the last seven games. Cole Beasley is back in our lives. John Brown is back in our lives too. And Hayden, this kind of makes sense. It really goes back to our conversations about this receiver group in the last two off seasons, when you know it was Cole and Emmanuel Sanders and whoever else you want to put out there where they kind of dropped off from their number two and number three wide receivers with both of those names to elevate, you know, Isaiah McKenzie and elevate Gabriel Davis this year. And both have been hobbled. Both have their strengths. Both have their weaknesses. They're kind of linear players and limited in their full all encompassing skill sets. So now it kind of makes sense to bring back just some bodies but it's just not quite hitting like it did, obviously, to open in week one when there are spring passes all over the field with Ken Dorsey against that Rams defense.
1: To be fair, like Kumaro and Crowder and some other other depth yep. uh, wide receivers have also been injured too. So maybe that's just the reason why they're adding some bodies here. Uh, I don't think Cole Beasley's like a legit threat or anything like that. He was, I thought, pretty washed last year. Um, Isaiah McKenzie's just, he does well against man coverage and spurts, but most of the time has just been a pretty replaceable player. Um, and then, Gabe Davis continues to be very hit and miss. He's been on a dry spell, but he's still out there for most of the snaps. And maybe if Josh Allen's uh, elbow gets a little bit better, maybe Gabe Davis just plays a little bit better every once in a while. That would be good. But um, I think for the most part, everyone has been right about Gabe Davis. He's clearly a number two receiver, probably a below average number two receiver. He meshes well with Josh Allen as Kind of a broken play thread. Somebody that can win in the in the red zone, and the Bills are in the red zone frequently. But like winning on a down to down basis, uh, really not Gabe Davis's game. So I think he's a wide receiver three still because this offense could really explode at any point.
0: You really might disagree with me, and we've had this conversation before. But I think it is so matchup dependent with Gabriel Davis. Like when you look at it, the games he's been really good this season. One, it was that one play, that long touchdown against the Rams, right? Then. Obviously against the Ravens, he was hobbled. He was injured, injury report, all that stuff. Then against that awful Pittsburgh Steelers secondary during that portion of the season when everyone was injured, everyone was hobbled. They were on like their fourth and fifth corners. He went off for 171 and two. Then after that, it was the Minnesota Vikings was his next like good game to go along with Kansas City, you know, but that's an awful secondary. That's an awful defense. And ever since then, he really hasn't hit Cleveland. Also an awful secondary at the time five for 68. So it's like, if this is a a defense of matchup that we like, you can play Gabriel Davis. I think if it's a good defense, we cannot play Gabriel Davis point blank period.
1: Dolphins bears next two weeks. I like those matchups. Yeah. Yeah. But then like Cincinnati in week 17, you know, how, but how much is it? Like the bills have like, they're, I think it's him as an individual.
0: I think it's him as an individual because I think he is such a linear player, Mm -hmm. a straight line player who doesn't beat you with routes, who doesn't win with creating separation in a phone booth, it's all along the sideline, it's all vertical, that good secondaries know how to stop that.
1: Yeah, I, I just I agree with that that statement. I also think that the Bills with Josh Allen's elbow been, uh, on the injury report, their neutral pass rates have dropped a little bit. If, if somebody's going to lose some targets because of that, it would be him because they're gonna always get the ball to to Steph Diggs. It's been a bad spell for Josh Allen too, which is I think having impacts, uh, like downstream impacts for Gabe Davis. Like some of these red zone interceptions could be Gabe Davis touchdowns, and it just yeah. hasn't been a good performance for Josh Allen.
0: Well, and to add on to that, I mean the last three weeks. 10 rushes, 8 rushes, 10 rushes for Josh Allen. Some Mm -hmm. of those are like 5 scrambles, 7 scrambles in some of those games too. So much is on him because of either the pressure that's getting to him. You know, this past weekend against the Jets, everyone was flying up the field from this wide techniques and boom, he was bursting up the middle. Um, I believe still it's just pure dropbacks and pass rate over expectation. So those count still that are scrambles. But there's still so much on him in this that, I'm with you where everything was so clean in week one and you kept Dawson Knox in there as the extra protector and, you know, they're hitting quick passes and then vertical passes too. It doesn't feel where it is at the moment, but this can all be forgotten in week, you know, 15 and 16 after Miami and after Chicago, like you're saying.
1: He's a product of his environment and the environment has not been as good for, I think some random circumstances the last month of the season. I'm not sure if those random circumstances are necessarily predictable down the line. So The environment could get better.
0: He's gone over 45 rushing yards in five straight games. Five straight games. Chicago Bears. So they're coming off of their bye. Hopefully, Justin Fields is even healthier. Do we still have that, like, Justin Fields, Lamar, Jackson, rest of season thing going? It's kind of like ending with a whimper here. They've both been injured. So, like, I I guess. I don't know. We'll see. Um, The only thing I wanted to bring up was about Chase Claypool because he really needs to show this team – in these final three or four games of the season, like to earn a contract, you know, because he has one more year left on his rookie deal. But this team has so much invested in him that it's they're in a tricky spot. Both sides are, you know, how much money can Chase Claypool's side? ask for with a year left on his rookie deal to earn more money already versus how much are the bears willing to pay this off season or just let him like ride it out during his final year and hopefully improves off of, you know, some putrid putrid numbers that he's shown so far.
1: There's no way you could pay him this off season. There's no way you have to see what he does next year. In my opinion. um, Yeah. It's basically him out there. He still says that he doesn't understand or doesn't know the entire playbook, which is understandable uh, to some capacity but yeah he's he's basically their only wide receiver due to some other injuries um David Montgomery over like the last month he's been the RB 13 on RB 9 usage i think that he benefits with some of these uh skill player issues and then Cole Commit uh's been the tight end 10 in usage so um i think Fields will be back he did play did not get as many designed quarterback runs going into uh the bye week because i think that they kind of rushed him back when he wasn't fully healthy i think that he'll rush more uh than he did that last game and he still got home because of a long run. So um, to me, this is David Montgomery, Cole commit and Justin Fields. And then only chase Claypool and like DFS.
0: Cincinnati Bengals are next. T Higgins leaves after one snap should have even played. Just walked out there on his own. Tyler Boyd leaves with a wrist injury. I believe after one target finger finger. Sorry. What we've learned, I think, with both of those guys going out is there's no one for one replacement for either one. And it just turned into, you know, a lot of funneling to Jamar chase. Sure. On only 18 completed passes, but he got 15 targets on, you know, 33 attempts and then, you know, 26 carries. It wasn't a lot of volume entirely for the Bengals offense at all, but you know, we talk about replacements at running back week in and week out. I think we've seen it so far. Like when T Higgins has missed, Mike Thomas, who's not even on the roster, like didn't step up in that environment. Trent Irwin got his off of a flea flicker. Trent Taylor's a slot player, you know, so on and so forth, right? So there's no like guy that we can put our chips behind and be like, I expect a little more opportunity for him.
1: Yeah, Trent Taylor's Tyler Boyd's backup. Irwin is Higgins backup. But if Boyd is back, he'll play in two wide receiver sets over Irwin. So we'll learn more later in the week. Uh, Yeah, Jamar Chase went uh, crazy again. 20.5 expected half PPR points. Uh, he's going to be a stud. Joe Mixon's, I think, the most interesting name here just because he only had 9.3 expected half have points in week 14, didn't play as many snaps. Um, Samaji Piran definitely mixed in, did get that touchdown. Um, I can see this kind of be more 60-40 than 70-30, and I think Joe Mixon may, might be more like the RB10 instead of like the RB5.
0: If you're here for the first time, checking out Stats versus Home, what took you so long, but also, welcome, Thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, a ton more content, about like seven, eight different things every single week here on the channel. So look around a little bit after you're done with this video, Cleveland Browns. I want to talk about Donovan Peoples Jones and Sean Watson's second game, 12 targets, eight receptions, 114 yards. Like I said, I'll dig into it much more this off season, but just digging into this game I was really enthused. We talk about it a lot with these young wide receivers. A lot of them succeed in man coverage, but then fail in zone coverage because it's a bunch of feel and figuring out the soft areas and working back to your quarterbacks. I thought DPJ was awesome in those situations. And Deshaun and his timing was on point.
1: I don't think Deshaun's timing personally is on point. He still seems scatterbrained. With those two, I mean. Yes, Donovan Peoples Jones, I think, is actually a good player. I think that he's might be like a legit number two receiver in the league. Um, they have something with him, definitely a very athletic player. So I'm with you on Donovan Peoples Jones. He's the uh, wide receiver 34 on wide receiver 41 usage over the last month. Um I think he's an ascending player. I think he's gonna be a name to keep track of for for best ball drafts next uh offseason. But even for this week, I think you can call him a flex play probably. I mean, if you had to call him a wide receiver three, you could, but I think he's definitely in play for flex. Um,
0: like I know that they are very different bodies and Don people's Jones is just bigger. But when you look at just pure speed and athleticism, he and Anthony Schwartz had those, you know, but Donovan people's Jones just looks like and moves like a wide receiver. Like this isn't just an athlete trying to play this position. I thought there was some like nuance and, and feel to his game in a lot of ways. Like, the reason I say all the timing and the stuff with him and, and Deshaun, because I'm with you, like there were other areas where Deshaun, you know, bypassed open receivers and dropped his eyes and all this stuff. But like, look, he's getting rid of the ball here while Donovan Peoples-Jones is just cutting into the open area. This next one is is even better. Like there is some real timing here. So I'm getting back here. Boom. Deshaun's unleashing this before Donovan Peoples-Jones even gets into this window in between the corner and the linebacker. Like, this is great stuff. Then you'll see others when he's working back towards his quarterback, like on outside breaking routes or sitting here working away from, you know, linebackers crashing down on him. I like this. I really like this. And I haven't had a lot of time to go back through, you know, the second or third year player stuff this season. I'm buying into it.
1: I'm with you. Uh, Also, very much buying in on David Njoku, who is the tight end two in usage over the last month uh this season in his healthy games he's averaging 10.1 half ppr points uh which is insanely good he's going to be one of the most debated players in next year's fantasy drafts um i think you're an argument the tight end to this next week
0: wow okay where is he in the 2023 rankings hayden like just among tight ends let's let's hypothesize this a little bit because at the top is travis kelsey then there's the grand canyon <laughs> and there's everyone else would you I think this is a pretty easy answer. Are you taking David Njoku or Kyle Pitts next season?
1: Um, so it goes Kelsey, Andrews, Goddard, Pitts, Hawkinson, Kittle, Frymouth, Njoku. I wow. would have Ninjoku higher really lower there. I would have Njoku uh higher than George Kittle. Um I, I think he's right in that kind of Kyle Pitts range right there. I think he's borderline top five. Okay.
0: Interesting. Um We've seen more from David Njoku as a player than we have Kyle Pitts, I think. But I don't know how fair that is to say.
1: Yeah. There'll there'll be plenty of time to to debate Kyle Pitts. Uh, By the way, use promo code the show. Get on Underdog. You can draft uh, not just 2023 drafts. NFL playoff best ball Mm. is in the lobby. One million dollars. One of my favorite games. I have a strategy column up there. You got to know odds to win the Super Bowl, odds to make the playoffs, odds for a bye week who plays each other. It's a complicated format, but one of the best games out there in all of fantasy football. I've got the strategy column. A video's coming up as well. Um, get in there. It's such a great game.
0: Why don't you post it in the top of the comments after the yep. show's over? We'll put it in the, as a top comment and pin it there. And by the way, that comment on Kyle Pitts, I love Kyle Pitts. It's just, I think David Njoku is underrated for his athleticism and what he's shown already this season. A, a unique talent, I think, in the NFL at a position that uh, needs those. That needs us. He's a tank Dallas Cowboys. They have a Jaguars secondary and defense up next. Uh, Jaguars defense and secondary has been one to take advantage of. in most weeks this past week, they're, you know, they're probably their best pass rushing game since I don't know, week two or week three, when he got a little bit excited about them, this Dallas game just like, didn't go right. You know, it was just a bunch of, it reminded me of some of the Dak Prescott stuff last season with them a little bit. Anyways, Uh, CeeDee Lamb still moving him around. And then the dynamic of obviously Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. There's a lot of pieces to go around. And Dalton Schultz is really the one who continues to emerge here and has become a really consistent member of this passing attack.
1: Schultz last five healthy games, 12.1 expected half PPR points. So I think he's top three wide receivers, right? Like him and Hawkinson. I think it's a a good debate, similar type of players uh, to me. Uh, Both Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard top 14 in usage, Zeke Elliott, I know Tony Pollard's been like the league winner, and obviously we love Tony Pollard. We don't even have to get into that. Zeke Elliott, though, quietly averaging 16.4 half PPR points, not expected half PPR points in his last six healthy games because his offense is so damn good. So, um, the CeeDee Lamb stuff, I think he's kind of the interesting conversation here is he never gets the elite wide receiver one usage. Like, never. Mm -hmm. Like, he's always just like, for example, the last month of the season, he's the wide receiver 21. In usage and he hasn't been like aj brown type of good where like you know like he's just going to absolutely dunk on my models so he's kind of an interesting player to rank um could it just good. be could it just be this season in dak prescott games
0: 29 attempts 25 attempts 27 attempts 25 attempts 30 attempts 30 attempts
1: they're too good of a team yeah you no know, like that's like his issue right now
0: they're, they're they're too balanced they're too good defensively versus you know we just see justin herbert on prime time pass for 51 attempts we've seen yes, it from Griffin. other teams you know yeah. Like, there are six games a season where they haven't top 30 passing attempts and only two yeah. that they have with Dak Prescott out there.
1: Yeah, and they, their defense keeps scoring touchdowns and all the, the whole thing. Uh, by the way, this um, I posted just like my personal quarterback rankings and I had uh, Dak Prescott inside my top seven and people shit themselves. Uh, mm. Am I crazy? Do you think he's a top seven NFL quarterback? Would you put him down like towards quarterback 10? I need the Josh Norris opinion here. I'm not moving on until you give it to me.
0: Well, some people might want to watch Scheme from last week, where we go through 51 minutes. I heard Josh McCown's
1: opinion. I want Josh Norris's opinion here.
0: No, Dak is almost like an old school processor in many ways. Like, there aren't that many occasions where you see like a seven step drop off of deep play action when you turn your head and you know exactly where you're going to go with the football, or you go from like one to two to three to four to the backside and boom, it's Tony Pollard there. I think he's being asked to do like very traditional NFL things. Um, and I think people are just like waiting for him to plummet in the playoffs a little bit, because that's what the Cowboys have done recently. But I've got a little feeling that this Cowboys team is going to be a little different. Losing Terrence Steele at right tackle is a big deal, but you know, they get Tyron Smith back this week, according to Jerry Jones. And then it kind of sounds like Jason Peters is going to get shifted over to right tackle position. I don't know if he's ever played, but he's been so good for so long. I'll be at like 39 years old at this moment,
1: but I feel good. I feel good about the Cowboys Dak Prescott's not super flashy, but what he's good at is like just like listen to any quarterback that's played and they love Dak Prescott. So I think that's kind of I think that's where like kind of the disconnect is like it's very easy to say like Jalen Hurts is way better than Dak Prescott right now because he's doing so much in the ground game. But Dak Prescott, the reason why the Cowboys, I think they have the most points on offense in Dak Prescott's starts of any team in the league. I think there's a reason for that. Is that good? Is he bad? Where do you have him? I I had him fifth, and I, I didn't t- I didn't spend 14 hours grinding this. I just put like a kind of a tier, and I think Herbert, Burrow, Dak, Lamar, Jalen Hurts, kind of in a tier together. uh Brian, right that's situation. because
0: Hayden hasn't heard enough from about these quarterback rankings and the comments down below after this video. Let him know what your I don't know top seven quarterbacks would be. That's the, People that's think Jalen
1: Hurts is like oh he's one great. Of the best he's been great, man. He's been he's great. very good. He's I great. don't see Trevor Lawrence anywhere in that. He's he would be my top ten. Hmm, puzzling.
0: He's good. Imagine Denver Broncos. You know who was good in week 14 Jerry Judy (laughs) on paper. This might've been Jerry Judy's best game we've ever seen. Nine targets, eight receptions, 73 yards and three touchdowns. What'd you think?
1: Yeah. I haven't watched that game yet, but, um, he's one of the biggest negative regression candidates because he scored three touchdowns. He's wide receiver four on wide receiver 31, uh, Usage. He had fourteen point six expected half PPR points. Cortland Sutton, obviously not playing, had to have played into that. Uh, it sounds like he's going to get fined for taking off his helmet and running into. Oh, a, he should have <laughs> been ejected, to be honest. A ref, but that's that's on that's on that's on our issue. Um, yeah, Jerry Judy, kind of a streaky player. Um I don't think he's fully developed, but um we'll see. And like Russell Wilson's in in the con- uh, concussion protocol, so I think we'll learn more of Jerry Judy later in the week. I'm not sure if you saw anything on tape. Yeah. So let's go back to the front. This first route is hilarious.
0: It's absolutely hilarious. So Willie gay walks out on top of him to kind of take away the slant, this inside move. And so we just get about seven or eight different steps. And it's in order for him again, to get the inside leverage here. And he's able to quote unquote, win with that, um, He's a very interesting player, like you said, and this one is is actually funny, too, because it's actually late separation and he does a really good job with it. It's a big push off, but it's right. stuff like this doesn't always get called. You know, we see late separation all the time to create and win um, at the final, you know, catch point. And he did that quite well. Um, it is these like funky movements and routes that he almost doesn't go anywhere with multiple movements to then create the separation and to get the angle that he wants to against these pressing cornerbacks or as we saw the linebacker on the front. That I don't know if it's translatable week in and week out, but Jerry Judy certainly has
1: his fans. I want to see more of this. Let's put it that way. Yeah, he does a lot out there. He like, moves I, a lot. I, it would be very easy for a casual to say he's one of the best route runners in the league. And then I think a lot of corners going against him would be like not necessarily. Yeah. Where's Javante
0: Williams in your 2023 rankings, Aiden?
1: I'm like around like 30th overall. Um, he's going to be a tough one. Russ is back. We'll see how much better they get with the new coaching staff. Um, yeah. Tough injury, though, for him, too. Detroit Lions up next.
0: They are the focus of scheme this week. So we know Amon Ross St. Brown is a start every week. We know Jamal Williams loves scoring touchdowns inside the two-yard line. Swift wasn't really involved this past weekend. But the name who has emerged that people want to know if they can ride this wave the rest of the way is DJ Chark. Six catches for 94 yards and a score.
1: Put simply, I think DJ Chark is a good player. I think that he can be a number two NFL wide receiver. They paid him $10 million on a one-year contract. We haven't seen it because of the health. But I think he's an emerge, I think that he can be a relative league winner down the stretch. He's had at least eight expected half PPR points in three straight games since coming back from that injury. He's the wide receiver 20 on wide receiver 38 uh, usage. I think Jameson Williams is going to play a little bit more, but I think that will come out of the wide receiver three snap rates, not necessarily DJ Sharks. And this offense is so beyond legit right now that uh, I'm tempted to let this thing ride out. Now, he's he can easily have zero fantasy points next week because yeah. the type of player he is, but I do think that he has passed to monster games because the way this offense and the defense is getting better, but still probably not very good. Um, he's out there and this offense is so damn good. And that's to me, it's like D, uh, like Zay Jones, but probably in a better offense right now. How dare you? Uh, also, question,
0: and we have a lot of time to go through this, right? A lot of time. But they play the New York Jets this weekend. How do you feel about him against the New York Jets, who will be missing a couple pieces, probably namely Quinn and Williams this weekend?
1: Yeah, I mean he's gonna have to go uh, up against Sauce. So right. don't, and don't love and DJ Reed
0: because you know they'll flip sides mm-hmm. and do all this stuff. What I actually loved on this, you know, first long touchdown is. That whenever you see single high, this offensive line is playing so well at the moment that Jared Goff is going to take these deep shots and it's this tight alignment, right? And so once again, single high, there's, it's a free release and giving DJ Chark 10 yards to build up speed when you're an off corner who then has to try to turn and run with him. Goodbye chicken baby. Right. And you know, the balls that go early, it's a nice throw. I wouldn't say it's a difficult throw, but this is a great pitch and catch. And it's actually ones for the people that have been watching stats versus film freaking all season long that they were missing earlier on the season. And it wasn't, you know, purely just outside the numbers, vertical routes. It was crossers down the middle, deep posts, things like that, that DJ Charko was like three or four inches just beyond his hands, or he would drop one. By himself, And so then once they beat you on these vertical patterns early in the game, the rest of the game, you get crossing routes, right? You get to be able to sit underneath these coverages when you get too high after that. Um, You get clear outs on the opposite side and then boom drags across the formation. So I like this. He is clearly to me their second best wide receiver. We've seen Josh Reynolds. We've seen Khalif Raymond. We've seen whoever else you want to throw out there. And so when this team is running so pure against, again, bagged secondaries in the last two weeks against the Jaguars and the Vikings, it might be a little different against the Jets and even the Panthers the next week too.
1: Yeah, that's Penny Sewell slander calling Chark the <laughs> second best receiver. Um, DeAndre Swift, I mean, at this point is just call him a running back too. He can be nothing. He can go off and just kind of dependent if he's going to hit that big play. I don't see him being the goal line back. I don't see a reason for them to get rid of Justin Jackson at this point. There's still some trust issues here. Uh, He can still pop off when the Lions are scoring 35 points. But to me, he is boom-bust RB2, and I wish I had more analysis, but I think anyone trying to make up analysis for this is that they're just making it up. We just don't know. Yeah,
0: Lions are this week's focus of Scheme. Ben Johnson, a name you have not heard of much before this season, who might be a coveted coach coming up in January and February this year. It's going to be a fun offense to diagnose, that's for sure. Make Ben Johnson the thumbnail. I'm curious to see what he looks like. Put glasses on him, maybe like the the mustache and the nose and be like, Mm -hmm. who the hell is this guy? We'll see. Might have some fun with that one. All right, next up, it is the Green Bay Packers. They're also coming off their bye week. As we all know, Christian Watson, last time we saw him, another three receptions, 48 yards and a touchdown. One carry, 46 yards and a touchdown. He's on a heater and... I don't know what the analysis is here, again, other than just to repeat ourselves that he is an outstanding athlete in areas of winning down the field, crossing routes, vertical routes, showing more nuance, I think, week in and week out for a quarterback who is craving that type of playmaker. And so he is going to get his opportunities in highly valuable situations. For a quarterback who hasn't played great this year, but can still place the ball 40 yards down the field very, very well. And so hopefully this continues. I know it's going to regress at some point, but it's tough to pinpoint when
1: Hayden. The regression will happen, but even if he does regress to his mean, that's wide receiver 26 over the last month. So he still would be a starter. The only wrinkle here is Romeo Dobbs is going to be returning. So what does that mean for someone like Alan Lazard? Uh, Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson, in theory, play the same position, kind of do similar type of things. Now, obviously, Christian Watson has been so good and was drafted earlier. I'm not moving him down, per se, but maybe if you were to try to sneak in Alan Lazard into your flex, I would have some more concerns there. Packers still mathematically available, so um, we'll see what happens with uh, Aaron Jones on the injury report, uh, because he was dealing with a little bit of something. If if Aaron Jones is fully practicing, you can't do any of the A.J. Dillon stuff. I know he had a good game going into the bye.
0: I'm just going to pull it up really quickly. The NFL playoff picture is not pretty at the moment. Like there are just a lot of teams in that area of let's say six and seven and five and eight that are shocking contenders here. Um, like, look on the bubble right now, it's the Seattle Seahawks at seven and six. But after that, it's the six and seven lines, the five and eight Packers, the five and eight Panthers, so on and so forth. One of these teams Probably other than the Giants, who we'll get to in a minute, will make the playoffs. Hopefully it's the Seahawks, but it could be one of these, you know, late rising organizations, too.
1: I think it'll be the Seahawks. Um, yeah, I'm not, sh- I'm not sure if I want to see the Giants or the Commanders, to be honest. So I, I the hope Commanders there's the Lions. Have something like 73% chance of making the playoffs right now. Detroit Lions. That's what we're hoping
0: for. Okay. Houston Texans up next. Damian Pierce is injured. Uh, he just had 22 carries for 78 yards and a touchdown. I think Aaron Wilson, who's a local beat writer there, has said he's out for Week 15. I don't know if any of the national guys have said that yet. Three weeks, three weeks.
1: Damn, ankle sprain. Probably. I mean, they could shut him down for the for the rest of this Makes season, sense. So. Uh, the yep, season. So, the Texans also played.
0: Though. The Texans also played a true two quarterback system this week, and I want to bring this up because if you play on Yahoo and you're in your playoffs, Jeff Driscoll has tight end eligibility over there. Mm. And he will run the ball. He will run the ball. It was like basically 50 50 last week. They will, unless they go away from this, which I also think Aaron Wilson has said that they aren't going away from this, that this is probably how they're going to write it out. At least for this weekend, Jeff
1: Driscoll is a very intriguing tight (laughs) end ad for you. I mean, it is, it's weird to say. No, it's true. Yeah. What if, what if Jeff Driscoll is the guy you needed? Um, yeah, we'll see what happens with Nico Collins. I think Brandon cooks is on a beach somewhere. Um, Nico Collins didn't play last week, um, and that led Chris Moore to pop off for 14.3 expected half PPR points. I think that he would be an add in deep leagues if you had to. We'll see what happens with um, the depth chart. Uh, as for the running backs, Daria Gumbawale played on passing downs. Actually, Eno Benjamin came in on early downs with Rex Burkhead after Damian Pierce left. You didn't see Daria Gumbawale's role change all that much. You can't play any of these guys.
0: Well, and you know Eno got cut today. Even who? after the Damien Pierce injury, who you know? Oh, he got waived again. Yes. Jesus. Even I after, I never thought Damian he was Pierce really is... good. Yeah. There's people that thought he was really good. Even after, yeah, people said he was a running back one. Uh, and Rex
1: Burkhead will be the number one Texas right. running back in my rankings this week. Right there, we go. Eat Arby's.
0: <laughs> Did you know the Panthers' uh, seven offensive line package is called the Arby's package because they say it's a lot of meat out on the field? I thought you might mm-hmm. like that one. Thought Love it. Like one. All right. Indianapolis Colts up next. They're also coming out of their bye week. Not much to say here. I think the last time that we saw them, Alec Pierce had eight targets, four receptions, 86 yards, and a score. He caught one deep target. And once again, Matt Ryan is by far and away the quarterback who was throwing the least down the field in the NFL. So I can't rely on Alec Pierce to be a post by rookie bump candidate. And the only thing I'll say is that Jonathan Taylor's snaps under Jeff Saturday are ridiculous. 86% (laughs) snaps, 87% of the carries, 86% of the touches and 83% of the routes run.
1: RB two usage over that same exact stretch. So yeah, he's back to where he, he was, he's, he hasn't been as efficient as he was, but the usage is very similar to what it was uh, last year. Um, Yeah. You can't play anybody else except Michael Pittman. But even Michael Pittman has been the wide receiver 37 because Jeff, Sat- Jeff Saturday wants to establish the damn rock. Um, and then everything else is beyond that. So, um, yeah, we got rugged from like Jelani Woods. Don't don't get cute here. It's Michael nope. Pittman if you're desperate, Jonathan Taylor if you happen to make the playoffs. But I believe Jonathan Taylor bottom three advance rate in best Football mania three obviously due to some of the injuries and whatnot.
0: The post by rookie bump doesn't hit very well when players have a week 14.
1: By. Well, and and their quarterback
0: sucks at all the fun of it. Yeah,
1: and the quarterback. It's it's not the post by rookie bump's fault, it's the quarterback's fault at, at this point.
0: No, correct. But like we have showed, you have through all your spreadsheets and shit that like the post by rookie bump is for real. Like players after that, everything slows down, they get more opportunity, they learn the game a bit more, so on and so forth. Having a week off in the season allows you to refresh, be more comfortable. It's just Makes sense. It's science. Some might say, and getting that in week fourteen sucks. I hate these week fourteen buys. Hate that five through twelve. Five through twelve. Yes, that's what we need. NFL, freaking hundred trillion dollar business. All right. Next up, Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's kick this off with Evan Ingram, who had fifteen targets, eleven receptions, one hundred and sixty-two yards, and two scores. Evan Ingram finally made good on all the positive words that I and others have said about him for years and years and years. An athlete, an athlete at tight end, making good on his second team and his second contract. Hayden Winks, imagine that. Um, Now, we're going to go through the tape and show you the usage was actually incredible. And you could really tell that when game planning and diagramming ahead of the Tennessee Titans, and I don't know if it's because of David Long or the secondary and so on and so forth, this team wanted to feature Evan Ingram. And they did it from the first series and throughout all four quarters.
1: So with Zay Jones and Evan Ingram, this to me is just Trevor Lawrence having a way better field this last month of the season. And that's what you can get. You get those two in the starting lineups. Yeah, Evan Ingram 19.7 expected half UPR points. A complete outlier, not expecting anything like that. But uh, Trevor Lawrence is playing good ball and the rest of the tight end position sucks. I think I'm willing to call Evan Ingram a tight end one. I think I'm going to chase this a little bit just because like you said, some of these plays were designed and the ones that weren't designed happen to be downfield targets because Trevor Lawrence is absolutely in his back. So
0: I want to restart all of this film because it's fun. Like the first is a downfield rub mesh. This is for him. This is called for him. You see these other three wide receivers just clogging all the other defensive backs. So it leaves a wide open field. For Evan Ingram, right? You see slot snaps to maximize clear outs on the vertical routes for everyone else. So again, based on the coverages and, you know, cover three or quarters or whatever they were expecting, they saw underneath openings for Evan Ingram to maximize, get open, and then win after the catch. We even got a whip route against Kevin Byard in one-on-one situations. So even safeties couldn't stick with him. We saw tight end screens. He he won with Yak and even split out completely wide. We get this too. You know, there was one for a touchdown over on the left sideline where Trevor saw single high safety and just allowed his big man to go up and get it down the field. I wish we saw this from week one. And I understand that even Evan Ingram himself has not been great, you know, starting in week one, but all we can ask for is some of this, not all of it. He's not going to get, you know, 15 targets every week, but like a manufactured eight targets. Something sticky as part of the game plan because, again, there are a few tight ends with his athleticism. He has been high variance throughout his career, Giants fans will tell you this. But I love seeing this because I, I I do think production and this style of play can be repeated, once again, for Evan
1: Ingram. This is a man playing for his contract. He's a free agent.
0: Yes. One-year deal for him.
1: Um, Travis Etienne. Uh, 10.8 expected half PPR points in his three games since uh, kind of getting dinged up. He's not getting targeted, even though he's been playing a bunch of snaps. So what's kind of crazy about this is the Travis ETN um, people that like him obviously got their moments. But if you zoom out some of these issues about how is he going to hold up? And also, what is his pass game situation? Is he comfortable that in that? Is he too boom bust of a player to be really reliant as a true RB one? Kind of everybody's been winning here. Um, except those that have him in fantasy over the last couple weeks here. It has not been a good stretch, but he's like a boom-bust RB, two, I think.
0: That's when you take a moment to talk about Zay Jones. So, Zay Jones, weeks 10 through 14, according to underdog slash NFL, or underscore underscore NFL. 13 red zone targets, that's fourth most in the league. 65.6 fantasy points, that's 17 most, most of the position. Most importantly, Our guy, King Capital, drafted on July 18th, just won the $1 million regular season prize. You want to know who he drafted in round 17? Zay freaking Jones. Okay? Now, why is this important? Zay Jones only had 10 fewer points contributed to this million dollar regular season winner than everyone's favorite rookie wide receiver in Garrett Wilson. You know? Only 60 fewer points than Amon Ross St. Brown. 50 fewer points than Jalen Waddle. Zay Jones was such a smash in week 17. And I'm going to go out here and say the Zay Jones stuff was not a bet, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) It was not. There's actually a lot of lessons learned here for Zay Jones. Number one, Hayden Winks and I all summer long advocate for looking at contracts and what that says about players and how much money those teams spend on them to understand what they could be in this offense in terms of usage and where they rank in the pecking order. Number two, people just believe that Zay Jones was not worth that money. So they bypassed him. Right. But we knew again from that money, he was going to be out there in two wide receiver sets. And number three, I believed in Trevor Lawrence taking steps and ascending this season. So it goes completely back to what you said earlier in this conversation. So while all of you might think party with Zay, Big play Zay is a bit. It is not. There are actual learnings and teachings I think we can take from 17th round Zay Jones. When everyone just overlooks and laughs at players like this and contracts like this, it's time for us. It's time for us to dive in and advance off of that and win millions off of that.
1: I want the rant on Chris Evans. Don't let Zay Jones uh, distract you from Chris Evans also being on the BB. I mean, the, the best team.
0: glue guy, the perfect locker room talent here. Yeah, look, he just held everything together in the background.
1: That's what he did. Love to see it.
0: Do you? But I'm serious though with the Zay Jones stuff. <laughs> no, I'm. This no, is i I'm, I'm, I'm making a a real point here mm-hmm. because who was going to play in two wide receiver sets over him on this team? And for a team that is going to throw a lot with an ascending quarterback, like it was just completely overlooked all summer, 18th, 17th round. That's what we were able to get. And I understand. I'm, I'm I'm, not here to advocate that Zay Jones is a good player. He is highly inefficient at times and has a bunch of drops. And even this past weekend, dropped some gimme touchdowns and third down conversions over the last two weeks. But just the process of it paid off. The process of it paid off. Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree. Not a pit. Not one. All right. Kansas City Chiefs up next. Jarek McKinnon, six carries for 22 yards, seven catches for 112 yards and two scores. I'm not going to say you called this per se, but you have been ranking Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon nearly back to back in rankings for weeks. And it's just because of how the Chiefs utilize their backs, how they've been utilizing these two, when it's not as clear cut as other teams where hey, you have the guys in between the 20s or you have the guy in goal line situations. They mix and match because their offense is just different than everyone
1: else's. Yeah, last two weeks, 13.9 to 14.4 expected half PPR points. Um, Yeah, I mean, I didn't necessarily call it last week. I just think that the Chiefs like Jerick McKinnon probably more than the fantasy community kind of realizes. And we'll see what happens down the stretch. Isaiah Pacheco has been running really hard, though. Um, So yeah, McKinnon... RB 32 over the last month. He's a little bit higher than that. If you just look at the last two weeks, um, I would have a lot of exposure to Jarek McKinnon and NFL playoffs, best ball formats. I like that. Yeah. I mean, obviously everyone has seen this ad lib touchdown
0: to Jarek McKinnon. This is not translatable week to week, but it's again, not as simple as one guy is getting all the 20 inside the 20 yard work. One guy's getting all of the goal line work. They mix and match and no team loves to throw more. Inside the 10-yard line. No one likes to throw screens more inside the 10-yard line. And uh this is where Jarek shines. I, I actually still have more and more and more faith in Isaiah Pacheco being a continued member of not just this team this year, but probably also next year in spurts, unless they go out and add a big name there. Because I see him being in the flow of the progression of the reads and in the passing game too. But this Jarek McKinnon stuff, I... It has flown the radar because again, people fall in love with rookies so much and their running style that Isaiah Pacheco brings the table that it overshadows what Jarrett can be too. So
1: Isaiah Pacheco is the RB eighteen on RB eighteen usage over the last month. Has had 10.5 and 9.0 expected half PPR points. So I think I think both of them are like upside RB threes. I don't want to get too carried away with either of them. Um, but you just want bullets with the with the Chiefs and uh Juju Smith-Huster, my last note here, season high, 16.8, expected half PPR points last week. He's back up to the wide receiver, two uh, with some upside for the rest of the season. Las Vegas Raiders, they had
0: three straight wins, and then you go and lose to Baker Mayfield and the Los Angeles Rams. Um, I think this team is very straightforward. Obviously, you have Josh Jacobs going in there for 27 carries for 99 yards and a score. Devontae Adams, seven targets, three receptions, 71 yards. And after that, it's the high variance nest of Matt Collins. And that's all you get coming up for the Raiders, who are five and eight at the moment. uh, It's the New England Patriots. Good luck to you.
1: We will see if Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro can return. They are eligible to, will they? Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, this team's so straightforward. I think we can just really just move on. Los
0: Angeles Chargers are up next. So typically, just naturally, fantasy players are hesitant when big wide receivers or just wide receivers in general come back off injury for multiple weeks and get thrust into the lineup. And what do you do, especially in the primetime game that you wait all day for? Uh, Well, Mike Williams goes out there and gets six catches for 116 yards and a touchdown and does it in very Mike Williams ways of going up and mossing people.
1: Yeah, alphas are going to alpha. That's just kind of what happens here. It, it was a risky, I had them, I guess, the wide receiver 17 because of this. Um, yeah, I, I think that this team's ready to absolutely rip it. They, they got to win a bunch of these games down the stretch to make the playoffs. And um, getting Corey Lindsley back is massive. And this defense is still really injured right now. So I think Justin Herbert's going to drop back a ton. So I wouldn't be surprised if Keenan Allen and Mike Williams could start really getting there um down the stretch i think justin herbert's playing excellent ball um he seems fully healthy after that like mid-season stretch where um, i'm not sure if the entire playbook was open to him because of his ribs
0: yeah i mean his ability to just avoid all the disruption and pressure in his face was i think fantastic and he's been doing that obviously all season long and despite some of these vertical shots and sideline shots too Mike Williams, his average depth of throw was still 5.8 yards in this game. So, it's one that I'm I'm very intrigued to see if the Chargers, just like all of us, just watching this team, view their upgrades and where they need to add players uh, this offseason in terms of just juice and speed, or is just going to be kind of another season with Mike Williams and Joshua Palmer as the outside wide receivers.
1: Yeah, uh, we'll see if they keep Keenan.
0: Not saying that in like an overly negative way, but you know what I mean. Like some juice would be welcomed to this group. Yeah,
1: if I were running the team, I think I would let go of Keenan and then draft a first-round rookie with some speed. Jordan Jordan Addison, for example.
0: I also thought that Keenan probably had his best game of the season too.
1: Keenan did have a great game. He he looked Um, good. He's a wide receiver four in usage. Uh, Now, obviously, that's over the last last month, and Mike Williams being back will detract from some of that. But um, I think. Justin Herbert could lead the league in pass attempts from here for the rest of the season.
0: Los Angeles Rams. So they bring in Baker Mayfield one day of practice and it worked. So my question to you, we've seen John Walford. We've seen whoever else since Matthew Stafford went down in a Sean McVay offense, which we've seen put together one or two drives since then. Does this make anyone relevant? Like, does it make Van Jefferson relevant per se?
1: Um, no, Van Jefferson can't be relevant. He's got 7.5 expected half PPR points since Allen Robinson's injury. Um, Tutu Atwell's actually been leading this wide receiver group. I don't trust any of them. Tyler Higby, no. Uh Cam Akers, Kyron Williams, not really. Um, I, I would say there's no fantasy starters.
0: Okay. Just want to highlight some of these good throws by Baker, just real quick. We don't have to like dive into them. But these are downfield, outside, and then we'll get to some inside breaking routes too. Again, just a cool moment to see him do this. It is fact that he was awful in Carolina and throws like this were not happening, but I would expect him to be the starter the rest of the way and hopefully he can earn a backup role for this team or a contract that gets this team a six round compensatory selection, you know, this off season. That those are the two outs I think for Baker Mayfield and the rest of the way with the Los Angeles Rams.
1: I think it's there's mutual interest on both sides for him to remain a ram. I think he's great Matthew Stafford insurance and that is a story that I think will start really picking up steam as uh, teams start getting eliminated.
0: Next up is the Miami Dolphins. So the Miami Dolphins are in like a interesting spot here. And something last time you're going to hear this phrase, but after what we've seen the last two weeks against the San Francisco 49ers where they played so well over the middle of the field that they left wide receivers open on the outside and Tua was just incapable of hitting open wide receivers on the outside because he's uncomfortable to that area. The Chargers then did a great job of taking that, again, inside leverage away and Tua was even more tentative to even throw those outside breaking routes. Ben Solak did a great job on his Twitter breaking these down. Hopefully you have gone and checked that out. So what is their counter? You know, And I looked at this. Tua and the Dolphins rank 33rd in percent of their pass attempts to the short area of the field, zero to nine yards, and 33rd in behind the line of scrimmage throws also this season. They're first in intermediate, 10 to 19 yards, and 10th in deep passing, 20 plus yards. So, naturally to me, the counter is just short, easy, even screen completions, which he hasn't been good on this year. But in previous years, like that's mostly what Tua has done. So, I trust Mike McDaniel. But it might be something that can be difficult to change on the fly. However, we've seen other great offenses go through bouts and two-game stretches of struggling. The Chiefs did it last year. The Rams and Jared Goff years have, have done it as well.
1: I think this one's different because this is like somewhat of a blueprint. And also, Maddie Brown on our channel did a great breakdown of how the 49ers uh, handled the, the Dolphins, and they played more aggressive than other teams. And then Asante Samuel, the Chargers corner, after the game said, quote, we were just trying to challenge them because everybody else in the league didn't really challenge them. They were kind of playing scared, so challenge them and just go out there and battle. And they played a lot of press man coverage, and this is a tiny team: Tua, Tyreek, Waddle, the running backs. Everybody's tiny. Just go out there and not make them be a seven on seven team. I think mm-hmm. teams are going to be very aggressive on them, and there will be big plays like the Tyreek Hill touchdown, for example, uh, not not the bullshit one, the actual touchdown where, yeah, you're not going to be able to hold Tyreek in man coverage every single time. But it's creating a couple of negative plays and playing there in these soft zone coverages where we can just uh, uh, thread the needle is not going to work. So I think it's a great um, scheme adjustment that the the Dolphins are going to have to create. Um, I don't think it's like the Chiefs one where we just know that Patrick Mahomes is good enough to kind of wrinkle this thing. I think that this thing, there's a wider range of outcomes here because I'm not sure if... To, uh has the same like skill set to kind of beat these type of defenses.
0: Okay, my counter to that is they're already, and have so far this season, done the difficult things well in terms of the intermediate and downfield portions, and they just haven't been asked to do the short, easy, manufactured stuff at all because their manufactured stuff has been 10-plus yards down the field, right? Mm-hmm. Because, again, just bring these up, up these numbers. This year, 39% to the short area. 10% behind the line of scrimmage. Just going back to 2021, you know, Tua was 49% in short and 14% to the behind the line of scrimmage. What this can do though, is maybe give more manufactured touches to like Jalen Waddle, who's been a bit high variance as of late, you know, to Tyree kill who can do that stuff too. Cause he did it in Kansas city. Um, I'm not saying like the offense or two, let's just put him as an individual is as good as Patrick Holmes and the ruts are different. We've seen it with the bills offense too. But I'm just saying we haven't seen this offense go through and really target and and highlight this package in this area,
1: which almost every other team has so far. And I think they have the players to succeed in that area too. Yeah, but I think just them throwing the ball three yards downfield versus 30 yards downfield is like already a win. And the other part of this is Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle have been dealing with injuries here, even Tua himself. Um so I think that has to matter to some degree. Practice reports, I think, will be pretty key f- for those two. So, And I, I think
0: also part of it is the offensive line issues that they've gone through. You know, Teron's Armstead did play in this game, but even their running backs have been dealing with, with injuries. Like, just some series that have, like, screens and runs mixed in and out versus, like, hey, let's try to do the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying, like, throwing short, and defense is forcing that is a win. What I am countering is and and commenting on are people just saying like, oh, well, this offense has been figured out. I would like to see this element thrown in there. And if that is then shut down and that doesn't work, then it's figured out if that Hmm. makes sense.
1: Yeah, I think think that they are um, not in that Bengals tier anymore. I think the Bengals have graduated. Now, Dolphins, you are in the tier with the Jets and the Chargers.
0: Minnesota Vikings. Dalvin Cook is in a bit of a rushing rut. In two of his last three games he's averaged less than 3 yards per carry, not getting much use in the receiving game either. Granted, Christian all did miss a few of those games as well. But this is interesting for a team who you know is what 10 and 3 now were just underdogs to a team with a losing record than Detroit Lions and lost by, you know, two touchdowns it felt like.
1: Dalvin Cook has negative fantasy points over expected this entire season. In previous years he would be like three yard or uh three uh fantasy points per game above. Now he's at negative, he just has not been as good this year. A little bit older. The offensive line's been up and down this year. Um, and it's not just the like efficiency, his usage has also not been the same because they can throw the ball to Justin Jefferson, Hawkinson, the rest of them. So um, yeah, I I, I don't expect Dalvin Cook to be an elite RB one anymore.
0: Knewing the Patriots up next, so interesting team here because they're often still sucks. It still sinks, uh, but Pierre Strong stepped in as the starting running back ish uh, when Ramondre Stevenson went out with that injury. But what was notable to me, and I don't know if you have any news on this, Damien Harris traveled with the team. Whenever I see like backups traveling, to me it means they're like kind of coming close to being back on the field and on the roster. So I don't even know if we're going to get a quote-unquote Pierre Strong week out of this either.
1: Yeah, Kevin Harris came in first, but he had that fumble, and then Pierre Strong had a good game late. So, yeah, with Damian Harris, I think this will be – we'll discuss this more on the Fantasy Ranking Show later in the week when we have some more information. But uh, for right now, I think you have to go strong over Harris uh, for waiver wire people. Um, Yeah, the rest of this offense is just so beyond brutal. Jacoby Myers didn't play. Um, Devontae Parker's in the – concussion protocol none of the the other wide receivers have stepped up so um i didn't see too much I, i think i saw a little more pop out of kevin harris but he had that fumble um yeah i'm not sure
0: pierre strong is very much a i know people comped him to like raheem Mostert or eli mitchell kind of like the outside zone straight line burst that type of thing and that's great if he's there. I just think it's it's pretty clear, and maybe this is their own version of you know a post by rookie bump where they feel more comfortable with PR strong. But there have been plenty of running back injuries, and we have seen you know in previous iterations the Patriots incorporate three backs, and they did not want to do that this year. They wanted to be Damien Harris. They wanted to be Roger Stevenson. Yep. Oh, good point from Mike Clark.
1: Yeah, I thought it was funny the Patriots. Um, they play the Raiders next week on, on the road. They opted to stay in Phoenix for both weeks which is probably the good play i would not stay in vegas for for seven days i think they made the right decision staying in phoenix
0: for the uh, podcast audio listeners mike clark pointed out that damien traveled because the team is staying out west for an extra week um smash that in my face well done i'll eat that new orleans saints they're also coming out of by mark ingram is now injured so we better see a ton of alvin Kamara more so than we have in recent weeks um Just four wins in the season. And, I mean, I don't even get much better than their next two opponents in the Atlanta Falcons and the Cleveland Browns.
1: Yeah, he didn't play that much last week. Um, I think it was, like, kind of the coaching staff, like, somewhat, like, punishing him. He wasn't, like, pass-protecting as well and all that stuff. But now they have, like, no choice. Um, They're eliminated, so I don't know what this team's going to do. I had Alvin Kamara buried in 2023 rankings with... Yeah, I don't have any faith in the Saints. I'm not sure if he's going to be on the Saints. There's a suspension coming. I don't think Alvin Kamaris looked as good. There's a lot of things going wrong with Alvin Kamaris. Uh, This week, I think that he can pop off. I think he's more of like a DFS GPP play, though, because the range of outcomes are so wide because the offensive line has been good. The team hasn't been good. nothing has been good with the Saints. Uh, Tough scenes out there. Promo code Alvin. New York Giants up next.
0: Saquon's rushing has really declined even with like the offensive line returning to me just speaks to the Giants just not being good enough. Like they just don't have the dudes and the talent, right? That's where it is. And, you know, Daniel Jones might leave more throws by two or three or four out there each and every week versus that heater. They were on earlier the season when it was third and sevens, third and nines and he was threading needles over and over and over again. They just don't have that anymore. And when you, play a really aggressive style of defense which wink martindale is doing on a weekly basis that can be good at times and create turnovers and create sacks and end games like we've seen earlier this season or when it's blocked up correctly you can you know give up huge gains down the field and that's what they've also happened to them
1: all the giants wide receivers are outside the top 49 in usage over the last month richie james could pop off in the slot Isaiah Hodgins has been a full-time player. Darius Slayton's popped off, but his usage has been pretty bad. Uh, They're not getting the ball to Daniel Bellinger yet. And then Saquon's just, it's hard to overcome. Like you said, there's just not enough talent here. So um, I really like Saquon heading into next year. Yeah. He's, if he gets franchise tags, he's a free agent. We'll see what they do with both him and Daniel Jones kind of competing for the tag, the money, long-term investments. Do they want either one of them to be long-term investments We'll see. This offseason will be pretty crazy. I,
0: I, I test. Saquon has looked back to his old self this season.
1: Yeah. I think Daniel Jones has been good enough maybe as a bridge.
0: New York Jets. So we didn't talk much about Zonovan Knight on the Instant Reaction Show because there was a lot of other things to get to. Um, Zonovan Knight is the dude in this backfield. Um, we called it here on last week's show. Um, we are big fans of Michael Carter. I'll speak for myself. After last season, I was. He has not looked the same this year. Injuries happen, and then when injuries happen, the younger guy in Zonovan Knight can step in. And it's just so clear that this team wants a back in their backfield that has straight-line burst and straight-line juice. And so when he turns the corner or he cuts off the backside of his pulling center or guard or tackle, they miss that after the Brees Hall injury, and now they at least get, I don't know, 80% of that with Zonovan Knight.
1: Last week, ten point seven expected half PPR points for Bam Knight with Michael Carter being the number two. Ty, Ty Johnson didn't really play, so that's good news. Uh, in a obviously better matchup this week for the Jets, um, I'm with you. I think that he's I think he's a fine enough player. You know, like this is like the definition of like why a lot of people don't like high draft picks to the running back position because you can go find somebody like a Bam Knight to kind of get you uh, for most of the way. So. Um, It sounds like Mike White's going to play through his rib injuries and everyone loves him. Corey Davis concussion protocol. If Corey Davis is out, I'm going to have some interest in Elijah Moore who has been actually kind of creeping up the fantasy usage model um, at least 11 in 13.4 expected happy points in the last two weeks. Um, So I think Zonovan Knight's frisky. I think Elijah Moore is frisky and then Garrett Wilson should bounce back. I would be shocked if Zonovan Knight does not lead this backfield and touches the rest of the way. I agree.
0: Um, yeah. And that's for Elijah Moore. He's been playing more. Um, he should play even more with Corey Davis, likely missing this week. And I don't know if the scientists are saying this, but I view their game against the Lions this weekend as like a playoff matchup basically for each of these teams. They're both on the fringes. I know it's the AFC versus the NFC, but it feels like a must win for both in order to make the playoffs
1: chargers patriots jets battling for one spot unless the miami dolphins completely fumble the bag um we'll see they love mike white
0: they do um early read on that line in new jersey what do you think it is
1: um i'd I personally make the lions a favorite slight favorite
0: the jets are favored by one
1: all right go lions
0: Uh, Philadelphia Eagles are up next. So this was pretty cool. It's another game that we saw some vertical shots and we talked a lot about instant reactions, a lot about it. So we don't have to really go into it, but you know, it was third downs pressure in his face. Boom in rhythm under duress. Jalen hurts either with anticipation and outside breaking routes or taking advantage of one I want matchups down the field. And when you just have AJ Brown, who is physically dominant and again, transitioning to being an outside the numbers wide receiver who wins vertically in that area of the field this year too. And also Devonte Smith, who, you know, just plays with blinders on and will go up, doesn't matter if a safety's bearing down and make these difficult catches. We saw against the commanders earlier this season that Julian love player who took an awful angle should have happened in this game too. He's fearless man. And uh, this is what I'm and probably, probably the difference in like the Miami dolphins, because this is why we keep bringing it up every single week with the Philadelphia Eagles. If a defense has an answer for one aspect of their offense, they just shift to the other. And they've shown in like three different ways they can beat you. They've only lost one game this season. And they are ge- getting even better in those facets of their offense as the season goes along, and that's scary.
1: I would say it's even the opposite, where th- they're going to find your weakness on yeah, defense good. and then lean into that. And that's why you can see their neutral pass rates go up and down. Miles Sanders' usage and stuff goes up and down. Same thing with Devonta Smith. But directionally, they're just a balling team. And uh, until Dallas Goddard returns, Devonta Smith, I think, is an upside Boom, bust, volatile. Wide receiver two. His usage is all the way up to wide receiver twenty-four, which I believe is the highest it's been um, over a four-game uh, stretch this entire season. Obviously, that correlates with Dallas Goddard. I get, I get what you're saying.
0: The reason I put it the way that I did was because we've even seen it in certain games, like the weather in Jacksonville, the offensive line injuries against Arizona. But they can do it both ways. Even diving into that a bit more, pre-game. Game plan, they can say you, our strength is your weakness. Boom, we'll go in that way. Or during the game, things change, injuries hit, weather changes. We can alter and run it 11 out of 13 times and demolish you.
1: So credit to Jalen Hurts. That's because because of him.
0: Yep. Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, Kenny Pickett enters the concussion protocol after, you know, the timeline that you put out there last week. Um there's nothing to do with this team other than like Pat Fryermuth is the most consistent one if you consider tight end, and even if you don't,
1: yeah, he, he's a baller, man. He's up the tight end I six usage. Um, yeah, Trubisky threw a couple prayers up to Deontay and George Pickens. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think any of it's very stable. This you're not winning your league because of any Pittsburgh Steelers. In fact, you're probably not making the playoffs because you drafted some of these guys,
0: other than the move. I mean, the, move the move's was, been all right. The Muth has been outside, I think, what, the top 10 tight ends where he was drafted?
1: Mm-hmm. George Pickens was like a 13th round pick. I think he's been better than that for according to best ball, but like Deontay and Najee. Yeah. R.I.P. Yeah.
0: George Pickens is Nose Jones. Let's put it that way. Oh, my God. All right. San Francisco 49ers. Everything that Kyle Shanahan says in quarterbacks, Brock Purdy, I think, has shown so far in that when he sees it, he rips it. Um, and we are seeing awesome Christian McCaffrey usage over and over and over again and he's just going to dominate that as we go along interesting that ty davis price was inactive with tevin coleman i believe being active and the final point here debo samuel is out multiple weeks i think right before we came on the show cow Shannon said three weeks and brand Ayuk, i think continues to ascend whatever that means in the fantasy usage model
1: yeah uh <laughs> This is even more complicated because the quarterback's a downgrade. Debo Samuel not being out there is good news for Brand Ayuk. But since the Christian McCaffrey trade, Ayuk and George Kittle's usage has been down because like you put so eloquently with McCown, so many of these plays are schemed up for Christian McCaffrey. And that doesn't help Brandon Ayuk. But obviously Debo Samuel probably going to be out. I think for the playoffs, I don't, why bring them back for the regular season? They're like 98% to make the playoffs. And I think they have a pretty good grasp over the Seahawks for the division. So I can see just Debo Samuel returning for the wild card round instead of the regular season. But um in the meantime, yeah, Brandon, you obviously gets an upgrade. George Kittle, um, slight upgrade, but I think that he's still after the Hawk. It's in, I would say Ninjoku tier. Um, Dalton Schultz, I would put him after all that. And then yeah, Brock Purdy's playing pretty freaking well for a day three pick. I mean, we we see all these third stringers because
0: that's what brock Purdy was going to be heading into this year step in even in the preseason and not look as comfortable and confident in himself that brock Purdy does there's a little bit of mobility i would say maybe more mobility than jimmy g shows and that's you know gets him out of some tricky situations and then we outline this on the instant reaction show hopefully you all tune in on sunday nights um he had two touchdowns outside the numbers and sure. One of them was the Christian McCaffrey vertical route that again, we also outline is very different and keeps teams honest. So he can run those slants, those option routes on third and seven when he drags linebackers out there, like he did against David Collins. And then Brandon Ayuk goes a double move, but on that same double move, he got slapped in the face. He got hit in the face and delivered it when he saw it and the timing of it and perfectly. So um, that's pretty cool to see.
1: I think that's a credit to Brock Purdy that, Shanahan had the confidence to let that thing. Yeah, I, I think he's, I think he's pretty fine. Taylor Heineke, he's a better version of Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke brings all this chaos. Brock Purdy has not done that. They look similar. They he can plays more within himself. Bit. Yes, if if he just
0: more controlled Heineke. Oh, I also think that maybe his arm's stronger than Taylor Heineke. has been throwing outside too.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. I think it's all right. I I think it's a weakness still. A point
0: you just, yeah, yeah. A point you just made. I, I want to pinpoint. I don't think Kyle is, as we pointed out when Brock Purdy came into that game when Jimmy went down, shrivels up at all with the playbook. Like he's still going to run what he wants to run. And that's a huge credit. Like things are not more narrow. It's not simpler at all, I don't think. And that still makes the 49ers really dangerous.
1: They are, I believe, fifth in odds to make the Super Bowl still.
0: And their pure running game is getting better now than it went through like that little dry spell in the middle of the season too I felt like. Um
1: last note here, Jordan Mason pick him up now just if Chris McCaffrey gets hurt this week, next week I think Jordan Mason would get pretty high on. So, perfect little last spot Jordan Mason. Seattle Seahawks. We
0: know DK, we know Tyler Lockett, we still don't know anything about Kenneth Walker heading into this weekend. Marquise Goodwin has been an underrated role player this year. I mean, his speed fits so well with that other duo. There's just a lot of juice out there. And I, I believe Marquise Goodwin, I would assume, just on like a veteran minimum contract this year. But having those three guys, some working the sidelines, some crossing over the middle of the field, it's been really nice to have Goodwin as that wide receiver three this year, I think, for this team.
1: Yeah, he's been balling uh, down down the sideline. Um, all speed. Um, I don't think it's good enough to, to get too crazy for, for – um, Redraft uh Ken Walker though, that's Thursday night football. Um it, he's been limited. Oh. They think that he might play. It's an important game for them after losing last week. Um, we'll see what happens. Travis Homer was the starter. GJ Dallas is uh behind Ken Walker in their rehab. So let's hope for Ken Walker because a lot of people that drafted Ken Walker are actually in the playoffs. So this is very important uh for kind of fantasy football storylines.
0: They've done very well. They've done very well. The runout for the Seahawks sucks, man. 49ers, Chiefs, Jets the next three weeks.
1: Damn. I need them in.
0: Me too. For pure entertainment purposes and for our friend Danny Kelly. We need them in. Tampa Bay Buccaneers next. Screw it.
1: (laughs) We don't need them in.
0: (laughs) This team stinks and there's nothing else to say. Nothing's fixing it at the moment and nothing I think will fix it for the next four weeks. What do you want to say about
1: it? Um, Chris Godwin is kind of big picture. Multi-ligament knee injuries versus kind of isolated tears. We have to know the difference between them. This year over the entire season, Chris Godwin, negative 2.4 half PPR points over expected per game. Historically, he's like three points above it. So there's like a five-point swing. I do think that offensive line and Tom Brady's play, leans into that, but I don't think Chris Godwin has any juice, no yards after the catch juice, yeah. no separation ability. Now he's still such a good talent that he's like a, turned into a contested catch guy, which is just a credit. He's still very physical, very tough, could run all the routes, but he's still working back. And then Mike Evans, they can't hit him on any of these deep routes. Um, so I don't see any of this changing really. Um, I think you're just hoping that Mike Evans gets some positive uh, regression on some of these deep uh, targets because they've all been incomplete this entire season. Um, but to expect them to be return to top five, top 10 offense, I think that's asking too much at this point with Tristan Wirfs out. Tennessee Titans. Let's
0: talk about Chigo Quanclo All right. Coming off a six reception, 45 yard, one touchdown game. Prior to that, four receptions, 68 yards, three receptions, 35
1: yards. What is he in your eyes? Uh, he will be back to the bench when Traylon Burks returns. I think that's, the, it's the difference between uh, two wide receiver sets and three wide receiver sets. Their best personnel package when Traylon's not on the field is to get Chig on the field, and that's why he's been playing more recently. But when Traylon Burks comes out, they're gonna have to make a decision. Do they just say, All right, Nick Westbrook, Akine, you're out of there? We're going to two wide receiver sets and putting Traylon in two wide receiver sets. If that happens, very intrigued with Traylon, but until then, I think that the bottom could fall out. But I'm with you on tape, he flashes, he looks like the player that he was in college all athleticism, but this is the type of coaching staff that loves these type of players. So I think long-term I'm pretty intrigued. Austin Hooper obviously is going to be not a part of this offense uh, moving forward. So dynasty purposes get intrigued this next week. I'm not going to be following the usage, even though it has increased in the model says so.
0: Yeah. I like a lot of what you said, and I do fully believe that for a pass catcher on this team, they will feature someone who can win over the middle of the field, shorter or intermediate or down the field. And without Traylon Burks, Chig is the best option for that. Now, I, I do want to take a moment to like kind of assess who he is as a player because the Dynasty community is going to fall in love with him. I think people ahead of next year's best ball drafts are going to fall in love with him. I like him a lot. He's on some of my Dynasty teams, right? When no one was drafting him. Is he going to be out there in all... Single tight end sets. And probably the answer is no, you know, because just the body type that he is, and we see it with all this. He's like that move option, right? He's the guy who's detached, he's the screen guy. He's also at times lining up at wide receiver and you know, again, taking advantage of that single high safety and working to the intermediate portion of the field. So far, he has not been the inline single tight end who's the blocker out there and not a tell. So we talk about it a lot with two wide receiver sets versus three wide receiver sets. We've even talked about it with like a reason why David Njoku hasn't broken out in previous years is because he wasn't playing a full complement of snaps. Until Chigo Quanquo Kwo does that, it's gonna be tough to like know what his weekly floor and weekly ceiling even is.
1: I think next year he'll have it because that yeah. Austin Hooper's the actual like inverse of that where he is the inline guy and can do all the things on a down-to-down basis um I think he's it's easy just to comp him to John o. Smith and I do think there are, are a lot of similarities but Delaney Walker little,
0: is another example on the Tennessee yeah, Titans I think he's
1: more. I think he's closer to Delaney Delaney is a little thicker than Jonu correct me if I'm wrong I think yep. that Chig could look like Delaney Walker um in some ways so I think long term I have some upsides I mean, when Traylon Burks comes back, there's just not enough uh, volume in this offense to really get too intrigued. Yeah.
0: You don't see as many rookie tight ends coming in and doing this type of stuff. Like I, I agree. I, as an individual, he does look legit, but again, I feel like it's easy to say that without understanding the full picture of how tight ends score points. And like, it's such a high variance position. So maybe it doesn't matter as much, but we have talked about with David and joke in the past. again, of not playing a full complement of snaps does hold that position back at times, especially in redraft, especially
1: in redraft. If you're not playing a, in 11 personnel, you're not a fantasy relevant player. I think he will be able to do that though, eventually.
0: Okay. Cool. Anything else to say about Titans?
1: No, I don't think they're very good.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to spiral a bit here. David Long and in injured reserve, they know, no Nico Altry, like it's not hitting. And to your point, this has been a position that they've been using with like Ryan Tano as their quarterback. Who knows what the pivot to the next year's quarterback might be if it's not Brian Tannehill, you know, cause it feels like it's going to be a reset. So,
1: yeah, I, it, it can't be Malik. I'm
0: sorry. No. no, it cannot be Malik. He, he is not an NFL quarterback at this moment. They do not trust him to throw the football because he does not trust himself to throw the football over the middle of the field. That's simple. All right. We'll close out with the Washington commanders. They're coming out their by. They have, like I said, really great odds to make the playoffs. I think it's like 71 or 73%. In the season, it's the Giants, the 49ers, the Browns, and the Cowboys. Um, And they're healthy again at wide receiver. The Jahan Dotson stuff heading into their bye, again, he scored a touchdown. But early on, it was those high variants, very efficient on smaller opportunities to score those touchdowns. And I'm assuming his expected fantasy points does not even come close to the amount of fantasy points they scored because those have far exceeded the previous.
1: Over last month, Dotson, wide receiver 82, Curtis Samuel, wide receiver 71 in usage. Now, like Terry McLaurin, wide receiver 20. I will say the Commanders have been winning all of these games, and I don't envision that to keep happening. They've gotten the best game scripts possible, and that's been setting up B-Rob and Antonio Gibson for some big games, but I just I just don't think that the Commanders are just going to win all these games with t- Taylor Heineke. So I think that there will be some opportunity, even though the fantasy usage model is not telling you right now that they will find some games where they are losing. And then all of a sudden either Curtis or, uh, Jahan Dotson can pop off, but they are not having the usage. There are dart throw flexes at this point because I don't think the quarterback plays very good. Um, and they want to run the ball. Can they do it? They have been able to, I don't think that's that sticky moving forward.
0: Prior to their buy, they tied the New York giants. If all of you forgot, hopefully you did. And then they play the giants once again this weekend. So, very fitting detroit lions for the wild card please please
1: Uh, seattle too seattle too but they both can make it
0: they both can make it that's tough all right that's gonna do it for us on hell zach scampers pretty george all of you appreciate you tuning in hayden tell the people we
1: we have all the payouts coming for best ball mania three I'm telling you, NFL playoffs, best ball is where it's at. Go read my strategy column. I promise you, you will like it. There's so much game theory uh, to think about and to kind of map out. Uh, If you're watching this show for an hour 30 in, talk about the freaking Chigokwanku. I think you're also going to like NFL playoffs, best ball. Uh, Sweat it all the way through the Super Bowl. It's so much fun. A million-dollar tournament's got to be the biggest one uh, out there. And if that one fills, we'll bring a new one in. Go try it out. Go read the strategy column. I'll have a video on it. Go read other people's content. There's so much good quality content out there. Um, NFL Playoffs Best Ball is my favorite fantasy football game. There is. I know Josh loves it as well. Uh, I might have to do a stream eventually about it, but go try it out. If you're still listening to the show, I promise you, you will like it. Uh, Promo code the show uh, just in case you haven't signed up on Underdog. Love that. Love that. Go and play, like he said, Best Ball
0: in the playoffs, scratch that itch. You're going to get your payouts in the next few days from the great behind the scenes staff over at underdog, be the Simpsons guy who walks in, put his hat down and then walks out with the deposits that are in your underdog account. And if you've never played playoff festival is the perfect game to do it again, Hayden's going to pin his stuff at the, uh, his content at the top of the, the comments. So you can all learn more about this lovely game. God's game. It's back.
1: And I've, people keep telling me about their advance rates from BBM3. It seems like everyone's freaking crushing um, that's been interacting with us. So congrats to everyone. Good luck. Week 15, week 16. And then finally, the only thing that matters, week 17, we're almost there. Zach Ertz, Tyler Algier, about to win somebody, maybe $2 million oh, in hurts. a couple weeks. Not well, we'll see. He can't. <laughs> we'll see. He's not playing. May, but Zach Ertz is the reason why you got there.
0: All right. That's going to do it for us. Thanks everyone for tuning in. I will have content once again on Thursday and Friday of this week. Go check out the other episodes of scheme. If you have not up the bell, we'll talk to y'all soon. See ya.